This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Did you know your credit score may change this summer because of new metrics? Money Talks experts will explain what a FICO credit score is and how to obtain and understand your credit report. This is an encore broadcast from February 4th, 2020, just after the Super Bowl, but before the coronavirus came to America. MPB's Money Talks host, Kevin Farrell, along with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives, will be out today. They can't take your phone calls, but you can contact our experts by sending an email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Did you know your credit score might change this summer because of new metrics? Our Money Talks experts will explain what a FICO credit score is, how to obtain and understand your credit report, and as always, take your personal finance questions. So give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good morning, Good morning. Uh, financial news in the news. Well, we've got good news and we've got bad news. Which one do you want first? Uh-oh, Nancy. Let's uh, end on a positive note, so we'll go okay. with the bad news first. The bad news is, of course, the coronavirus is really uh, a drag on China's economy right now. And uh, it may be such a drag that they may be struggling just to get above 2% uh, GDP growth, which is highly unusual for them. Yeah. And, and we talked about that last week. You know, anytime there's a big scary disease like that, when one thing about it is a lot of unknown, um, but it's there's a lot of travel restrictions. Exactly. You know, people don't want to leave the house. People don't want to congregate. Um, and in order to have economic activity, people got to leave the house. They got to congregate. They got to travel. They got to check on things. But if they're not doing that, things just stop happening. But the good news on our front, uh, we're not affected by it yet. And the Atlanta Fed has increased their projections on GDP to 2.9. We're starting to see uh, an uptick in manufacturing. So that's a, a positive for us. So we, we hope this will get settled on the other side of the globe and we won't feel it so much. So I think most people know the Super Bowl was Sunday, and I think a lot of people, even if they don't watch for the game itself, do watch for the ads. Uh, and then afterwards, there's always a big thing online about yes. your favorite ad, which ones you liked, which one you didn't. H- have there ever been any studies done of what sort of impact a Super Bowl ad has on the company, whether people run out and start buying Snickers bars or avocados from Mexico, that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know they, they track a lot 
lot of those things. But it's it's hard to really draw a straight line from advertising to sales. Well, especially for a single yeah. ad, right? I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, because a lot of it is big brands. I mean, it's like people, people knew about avocados beforehand. People know about all the beer companies who have their ads. People are, you know, so it's, it's brand maintenance um, because they're just, they're so expensive. Um, you know, we have seen, you know, some years you have seen folks using them to um, launch a new product, but it, you know, it can't just be a single ad. It has to be a part of a well, huge campaign. But the advantage now, um, it's not just that one shot because now we're seeing them uh, posted on social media and yep. we watch them over and over and, and then, over. And then we talk about them on the radio yeah. where so you can't even bang see the ad. <laughs> Uh, a sign I'm growing old, and I like to think that I sort of keep tabs on pop culture, car, heart, jackets aside. Uh, but there were there were several ads where there was a celebrity person, and I'm watching and I'm mm. thinking to myself, oh, I'm yeah, supposed to know who that is, I don't know, who, I don't know is. who that is. Yeah. And some of the ads, um, and I can remember with my students, we would watch some of these ads, and the ones that they thought were hilarious, I didn't get. Yeah. And, of course, what's a good Super Bowl halftime show without a little bit of controversy as well? So, Oh, well, you know, um, I, I'm just proud that J-Lo at 50 can shake it still like that. <laughs> My favorite is the expressions and things of the the dancers because they obviously they're, you know, have to make big, bold things and exaggerate their expressions and things. But I mm-hmm. almost end up watching the backup dancers more so than the, the main event. So, But uh, we'll look forward to another extravaganza next January. No, I'm sorry, next February. It used to be in January, but it's in February now. Before we dive into our discussion this morning, we have got a call on the line. So let's say good morning to David in Starkville. David, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I wanted to ask whether there is a minimum amount that my wife and I must contribute to charities before counting the charitable deduction on our federal income tax. Well, it depends on the itemized deductions. Yeah. And so where those charitable deductions will help you is if you add in all of your other itemized deductions and you go over, for a couple, 24000 If you don't, it doesn't even make sense to keep track of it. Um, so a lot of people who are older, maybe you don't even have a mortgage anymore because that's usually a big deduction for a lot of people. If you don't have big medical expenses, then, you know, you don't have have enough in charitable donations to account for that. Now, if you donate over 24000 yeah, it's worth your while. Can I, can I ask you a little bit of a follow-up on that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We have a, a farm. We have horses, and so we, we keep track of those expenses. Mm. We're also, both of us are over 70 and a half, and so... Mm. Uh, from our uh, mm-hmm. 401ks directly to the charitable uh, organization yep. so that we don't uh, have to pay income tax on the yes. money we set out. But, so will the farm expenses count toward the 24000 
I'm not sure exactly how farm expenses count. I know the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of, what was it, 2017, 2018, a couple years ago, did change a lot of what were kind of looked at as, you know, business-type expenses on a personal return. Um, So you'd have to check with a CPA on that, what specifically still counts as a deduction there. Um, But uh, since you are over 70 and a half, and actually the age for taking money out of your IRA or your 401k has moved up to 72. But if you are already taking required minimum distributions from your IRA or 401k, You can have those sent directly to the charity, like you mentioned. And this is great because instead of counting as your income, then it just it just doesn't count. It just goes straight to the charity and it's considered a non-taxable distribution. Um, So that means you get to if if if, for instance, you are only taking the standard deduction, you get to take the standard deduction and that charitable uh, contribution doesn't count in your income. So you kind of get you kind of get it on both ends there, which is pretty nice. And David, um, I'm wondering if, as it relates to your farm, your agricultural activities, that that is being maintained as a business. And if that's the case, um, somebody, you know, you're tracking all of the income and expenses related to the business, but then that will flow through to your personal side. That's my guess is what's going on, which would mean those expenses would still be deducted. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, David, for your phone call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you have a question this morning, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can also email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. And we do have a question here that says, what is the tax rate for selling property when income is below $50,000? Capital gains tax, state and federal. And it comes from AB. Oh, wow. That's going to be a capital gains tax, but I'm not sure because the the capital gains rate is going to be less than your income tax rate in most instances, instances. but it does depend on your income. So this person has mentioned 50000 Of course, are we talking about a single person or a uh, joint return writer? And, and, and was it your primary residence, for instance? Because uh, your primary residence, you have like, you know, three years to sell it, and it doesn't count as... Um, uh, count count as a, you don't count up the gain. to up to two hundred fifty thousand for a, a single person and five hundred thousand for a couple. Um, so I'm not sure about that one. Um, it, it probably in the ten percent range is going to be my guess. Yeah. So I, I'm pulling up the act the the specific levels, but it is essentially uh, your capital gains rate starts at zero percent. Um, I think when you are in the ten, I want to say fifteen percent tax brackets, and then it moves up to fifteen uh, percent. Uh, but at the highest tax rate, it is kind of 20% plus there's a, a, a surcharge on top of that. So it works out to be like 22.6%. But whatever it is, like Nancy said, it is always going to be lower than your income tax. Also, bear in mind, when you're selling property, you are only paying tax on the gain there. So say, for instance, you bought a property you know, however many years ago for $50,000 and you're selling it now for... 60000 you only owe tax on that $10,000 gain that you have there. If you have a question for our experts, you can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll continue our discussion about credit scores and credit reporting after the break. Here's a question for you. How many credit cards do you have? We'll tell if you're average after this. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. 
information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone to participate in the show. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. U.S. consumers have an average of 14 credit accounts and five credit card accounts appearing in their credit reports. So I fortunately, with credit now, cards... 14 credit accounts yeah. and five credit cards. cards. Oh, right. That can be like your car loan, your personal yes. loan, yeah, okay. your mortgage. Unfortunately, I am under the average in the credit card, so... That's a good thing. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm, it's a good I'm, thing. I've worked hard for that. Well, I mean, unless you're playing that game. Playing that game. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm so enticed by that, you know. Get, get something off when you when you buy. And my latest is um, to, to get the card so I can get free checked bags when I travel, yeah, that's convenient. That's a, that, I that's mean, a if you deal. travel a lot, that might be a good one. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've, I mean, that would gets like thirty bucks each way. I mean, that can that can, can pay for itself pretty quickly. So you know. So, you know, I actually, I actually bought a little suitcase so I can start avoiding checked luggage and just carry on, hoping that they make that little announcement of. Our flight is very full this morning, so if anyone would volunteer to have their baggage checked, it will be free. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I did that last time. And actually, it, it, my bag did not make the connection, which my connection was like 20 minutes long. I was like, I hardly made the connection, and I have legs. Um, so so I just went down to the desk, and they are like, great, well, we'll just take it to your house. Is this the correct address? I was like, yes. They were like, okay, we'll bring it at 1.30. And I was like, great. Like 1.30, I went downstairs, my bag was there. I didn't have to do anything. It was the most luxurious flying oh, experience ever. Oh, no, wait ever. a minute. But, wait but, a but, minute. But that doesn't if, happen to me. If you're when going, my bags get lost, it's days. <laughs> we, yeah, and I'm we know. on a trip. Yeah, we know. Yeah. Well, if I were going somewhere, I mean, that would have been a big problem. Um, you know, I would have, firstly, they'd have to deliver it to the hotel. Secondly, you know, if I had to do something soon after, I mean, yeah. that, that would that would have been a real big problem. But fortunately, it was kind Like, go out in public without your <laughs> it was coming home, and you know my bag just had dirty clothes in it, so I didn't need those. Uh, all right, we got a caller online, but also an email here that we held over from last weekend. We did not get a chance to address it, and Uh-oh. it says, "I spoke with a credit counseling company that's based out of the state of Mississippi, but in the U.S. They discussed certain government programs that offer debt relief options for Mississippians. I was cautioned from using an out-of-state credit counseling company. Our federally based debt." relief programs available through in-state or local banking options. 
Hmm, this one sounds a little suspicious. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what they're, uh, what programs they're referring yeah. to. The, yeah. f- the phrasing does sound like uh, copy from a very like kind of scammy ad. A lot of a lot of times you do see advertisements or hear advertisements. Uh, you know, we have this uh, we have this federal program we can access and only through us. And and it's um, there are a lot of ways to to get. Um, debt relief. I don't know uh, specifically of any federal programs they might be referring to. Um, one, so one thing, credit counseling is something you do. It's often it's often a step you take before bankruptcy. Um, if you if you kind of declare bankruptcy, like your first step is that. So, you know, if you're thinking about it, you might want to see a credit counselor. And a lot of uh, attorneys that uh, specialize in bankruptcy can handle, uh, can help with that and kind of give you a, a, maybe a little more objective uh, view of that. Because there are credit counseling companies that also offer services associated with that. Um, as far as, you know, and, and this, the correct steps for any individual to take, I mean, that's going to vary. It's going to depend on what your actual debt situation is, what your asset situation is, what your income situation is. So I'm not sure. I would get a second opinion just by talking to a bankruptcy attorney saying, you know, this, because trust me, they have seen people in your, if, if they are an experienced bankruptcy attorney, they have seen people in your situation and they've seen what was, what was good, bad, right, wrong for those people. And um, yeah, second opinion on that one for sure. Also, I would think that they probably maybe got this online because if it's if if you're dealing with a company that's not based in Mississippi, I mean, how would you have heard about it other than possibly, you know, I mean, I, I doubt they would advertise in Mississippi. And also, I would say, too, if you're worried at the start, say, hi, I'm in Mississippi. Are your services, you know, available? Well, yeah. I, I would just be cautious about uh, signing anything. Um, because anybody who's doing that, probably they're looking to take their fees off the top somehow or get you to write a check up front. And um, uh, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau does have good information on uh, bankruptcy, and they have links to there because there are uh, federally designated or associated with various courts, various bankruptcy courts, um, associations, or businesses that do provide these credit counseling services. And some of them, yes, are just national organizations that just are uh, properly registered or licensed to practice in the state. Um, it doesn't mean they're they're bad or anything. But uh, that's a case, from the sound of it, a second opinion will be valuable. Also, if I remember correctly, when we used to have a credit counselor as one of our co-hosts, and there is a federal, or not a national sort of trade group. So it might right, be yeah. better to or to possibly go uh, find out who the credit card, uh, credit counseling you know, companies are and, and go to their trade organization and, and try to get some more information on that. We got a caller on the line, so next we're gonna go say good morning to D in Ridgeland. You're on the air with us. Go ahead please. Good morning. Uh, this may be a little off topic, but it's regarding taxes and filing this year. Uh, health insurance that is paid uh, by the owner uh, privately is mm-hmm. it deductible this year. Um, and you're talking about are you the owner of a business? No, this is an individual paying for their own health insurance. Okay, and do they also pay for their employees? No, I'm a single individual paying for my own health insurance. Oh, just paying your own premiums. Are your own premiums tax deductible? No. Okay. No, I I don't think so. Um, um, 
the possibility they might be deducted depends on your overall income, and there's a pretty high threshold as far as the percentage on medical expenses that can be deducted. That's the only way I could think that that would qualify, and most people don't even have enough to do that. Mm, but Okay. But I would, you know, who does your taxes for you? I do my taxes. All right. Uh, and do you have a program that you work through? I do. One of the, uh, yes, online. Sir. Okay. Um, usually it will give you some alerts to ask you those questions. If you're concerned about it, we are not CPAs. I would say it's worth your while to uh, check with somebody, pay them for their time, and ask that question. Because if you can deduct it, you know, normally those premiums are pretty hefty. It might be a, um, a good one for you. But I'm not sure it's going to work. Okay. Thank you. Hopefully, will this hour get into the new FICO uh, scoring system, the Fair Isaac Credit? What's Fair Isaac Corporation? Oh, Corporation. Okay. See, I thought I had it, but I couldn't remember the O. Anyway, um, now, you know, we talk about credit scores, but there's also a credit report. So what is a credit report? Well, a credit report is just um, all uh, a listing of all of those times you've taken out credit, whether it's a mortgage, car loan, student debt, personal loans, credit card debts. They're all out there. And so it's your entire credit history. And the score is um, they use that history to then calculate the score. And every credit reporting agency uses a different um, calculation, let's put it that way, but they're all very similar. So anytime you have a credit card and you make a payment, then that's another entry on your credit report. Exactly. And And if you miss that payment, that's a real ding. (laughs) That's a red mark on your credit report. And I believe there are three bureaus that have credit well, reports? Well, three main bureaus. So um, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian are the main ones. There are a few other outliers out there, uh, but they're the main ones that track all of that, which is why we pay such attention whenever we've had some breaches. Certainly, you remember uh, Equifax had a problem because they have all of our data. Um, Ryder, why do you think it's important for folks to review periodically their credit report? Uh, uh, one, mistakes. Um, you know, it, particularly something like, you know, you paid off a credit card, but maybe they didn't report that it is paid off, and so that was still hurting your credit score. Um, perhaps they didn't report your credit limit appropriately, um, which is really important because the amount of credit you use is a pretty big factor. Um, and additionally, if somebody is accessing your credit, if somebody it has stolen your identity and they're opening up a credit card or taking out a loan in your name, it will show up on your credit report. And so if there's something just totally that is not you, uh, that's, you know, that's good, good, solid evidence of identity. And you may theft. not know that if they've um, opened it with a different address, physical address right. or email address, and they're getting statements and you have no clue. Yep. But the, your credit report is kind of the central place where it will show up. And as we've mentioned a number of times throughout the years on Money Talks, the good thing is you can get a free copy of your credit report. Uh, One way to get it is to visit annualcreditreport.com or you can call 1-877-322- 
888-228-228 or complete the annual credit report request form and mail it to annual credit report request service P.O. Box 105281 Atlanta, Georgia 30348-5281. A lot of numbers there. Uh, so I think Liz will post that information on our website when we get this episode posted uh, so that you can view it. But I think the easiest one is annualcreditreport.com. And also it says starting in 2020, everyone in the U.S. can get six free credit reports per year through 2026 by visiting the Equifax website. Uh, that's in addition to the one free Equifax report plus your Experian and TransUnion report that you can get at annualcreditreport.com. And again, we okay. Well, I was going to say, it's not your, your credit score. Right. It is just a report. And right. so a lot of people will get this lengthy report, you know, if you're a little bit older, you've been around for a while, um, and they're just overwhelmed by this. What you really need to do is pay attention. First of all, the first time you get it, look through everything, make sure it makes sense and you recall those. And then after that, you're just looking for the new stuff. Is something new popping up there? And um, is that something you did or is somebody doing something questionable? Yeah, I remember um, I got my credit report a couple of years ago when we brought it on the show to look through it. And I, I thought they do a very good job of sort of guiding you through it and giving you instructions and things to th- that you can fully understand the information that's on there. Also, I think that each one will offer you a chance to purchase your credit score well, when and, you review your um, report. Bear in mind, by law now, if you get turned down for credit, you can get your score for free. Okay. Got a couple of calls on the line, so let's uh, start again uh, with Liz and Jackson. Good morning, Liz. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I hope that y'all did not cover this while I was calling in because it's related to credit scores. I heard a uh, story on NPR yesterday about how a new formula for um, factoring credit scores is coming out. And um, I didn't completely understand what it was based on, but my husband and I are getting ready to um, think about purchasing a house. And so I did not know if we needed to hurry up and get pre-approved before that new formula comes out or if we would um, be okay or if we might be some of the folks who um, benefit from an increased credit score based on the new formula. Do do you have an idea what your credit score is right now? I do. Uh, and we're kind of in the mid mid range, um, and um, our uh, our current credit is mostly um, credit card, current mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any personal loans um, as part of our credit, which I understood to be part of the. Yeah, the I think I think personal loans are going to be hit a little harder. So it's good you don't have those. Um, so. If you kind of know, if you know what your credit score is, uh, we have discussed with mortgage folks before on this show. Have said, you know, if you're above seven twenty, you're getting the best deals. Um, that's pretty much where you know maybe some bank is going to get you a little better deal for somewhere or whatever. Uh, but, but above seven twenty, pretty much counting on the best deals. So, and and what the guidance we have is that these changes are going to swing scores by up to twenty points. So if you're kind of seven forty, seven fifty, and above, even if if you were uh, on the downside of that, then you're still above 720. So you're still probably good. 
so what a lot of these changes are, they start, they're starting to incorporate trends in credit usage. Um, and so previously, you know, a, a very large portion was looking at, you know, how much credit do you have available and how much are you using? So say a credit card company was like, you can spend $10,000 and we're cool with that. And you were only spending a thousand. That was really good because you were only using that 10%. Uh, if you were spending over $5,000, then that was pretty bad because you were using more than half of what was available to you. Um, and so they only looked at a snapshot of that. Um, now they're going to start looking at kind of how has that been trending? You know, have your has your credit limit been going up? Has your has your balance been increasing faster than your limit? Things like that. Um, and so that's mainly going to be an impact on your credit cards. Um, unfortunately... These are still, they're still only taken as a snapshot. So it's, it's a, it's, it's, I'm a little curious about how they end up calculating that because they take your credit usage as a snapshot on just kind of a random day of the month. It's, it's not necessarily what your maximum balance is. It's not necessarily your minimum balance. It's not necessarily a particular day. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. But if in general, you know, you've been spending, kind of the same amount every you know for the past couple of years i think i don't think you would anticipate too much of a change um and as long as you know things like your mortgage balance are being paid down um i think that would be fine um if you did happen to have two years ago really a really big credit card debt and you've paid that down i think you'll look really good too so and i think they're calling it 10t uh, meaning they're looking back over 10 years and uh for a younger person you, you don't have as much credit history there. Um, But I think they're just looking for an erosion of your credit. And so if they see that your credit is is improving, you're in good shape. Great. Thank you. And when when do do we expect this to go into effect? Is it already in place? I was thinking it it already was. Uh, Liz, our producer, says this summer. This summer? Okay. Okay. Thanks so much, y'all. All All right, Liz, thanks for your call. We'll continue our discussion of credit scores and credit reports after the break. What's the average credit score in Mississippi? We'll let you know in just a bit. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Candace, hang on through the break. We'll get to your question as well. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Money Talks on MPB, our personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They both are chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. According to Experian, in September of 2019, the average credit score in Mississippi was 667, which is considered fair. By comparison, Minnesota had an average of 733, which which is in the good category, just below very good and exceptional. It's because well, it's really cold and they don't leave the house and use their credit cards. Well, so. and we have a higher poverty rate here in Mississippi, and so certainly that does affect those scores. Uh, and we were chatting during the break, and I think the consensus is with the new scoring system, the fluctuation is is minor enough to where if you had sort of a bad credit score before, you're going to have a bad credit score. If you had a fair credit score, you're going to have a fair, and if you had a good, you're going to have a good. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting the vibe maybe 
not get too. That it's not overly, drastic. Right. Yeah. Don't yeah get too I mean, worried. if you are close to a threshold, again, kind of like you know, I said seven twenty. I think a lot of banks use as a threshold for you know qualifying for a mortgage of some sort. Um, if you're close to a threshold, yeah, that might be a problem. But again, you know, only twenty points above a threshold, you're not going to hit it. Okay, got some phone calls to get to. Candace held on through the break for us and is up next. Candace, good morning. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks so much for taking my call. Um, I had a credit card that was pretty much paid off and then another one with a higher balance. So Mm -hmm. I got a really good balance transfer offer. It was like no fees or 0% for a period Mm -hmm. of time. And then it took a real hit to my credit score. It dropped like 11 points and it was cited the increase in the balance on that card that was pretty much paid off. So Mm -hmm. I was surprised by that because I didn't spend any more. So I'm curious about balance transfers and when Mm -hmm. they're a good idea and when they may hurt your credit, um, and I'm happy to take it off the line. Thank well, you so I, much. <laughs> I'm going to say to you, we were just saying 20 points is not a big deal, 11 points is not a big deal, and that's okay. probably it's like, probably temporary because right. of opening a new account and yeah. give it a little time, and you're probably going to go back up. I, I've, I've yeah. seen credit scores vary more than 20 points just between credit reporting uh, agencies, between uh, different types of scores, uh, just month to month, so 11, not that bad. A couple of things that can happen. Um, did you close the old card when you paid it off? No, no, okay. I didn't close it. It just, okay. you know, it moved the balance. Yeah, so that okay. shouldn't have really had that shouldn't have really had a big impact because your credit usage would have stayed the same. Now, what could have happened is maybe a small timing issue where uh, you know the credit reporting agency was looking at the old utilization on the uh, credit card you paid off and a new utilization on the card you moved it to, so it would appear that you had a higher balance, you know, until yeah. they update in the next month. Um, so that could be one issue. Of course, any any jump in any single credit card could be an issue, um, even if it even if it is you know obvious to you and the rest of us that you were just paying off a card. You know, any sudden change like that could be an issue, and that and that might be it. But. Um, 11 points, not that big of a deal. Um, okay. So I don't think that was, you know, I don't think you need and to worry like about it. And then like balance transfers in general, is there a specific um, strategy to use those well, more effectively? The big thing, and you mentioned that you found one without the fees, because there's usually a fee on the front end anywhere from 3 to 5%. Um, but if you can move to a card with lower interest rates so mm-hmm. you can deal with your debt, that's always a positive. And, and yeah. so all of the actions kind of around about balance transfer that could affect your credit score are one, uh, if you open a new credit account, which um, you you said you that was an existing credit account you had. Um, so that you know that wouldn't affect yours. Uh, two, if you end up, you know, some balance transfers have kind of a flat fee, uh, which will of course immediately boost the amount of, of you know boost your balance, and so that's a negative hit there. Uh, if you close the old card, that could uh, be an impact there. Those are all the things around a balance transfer transfer that might affect your score. Um, but again, you know, especially just looking immediately uh, you, when things are in flux like that. Yeah, there, there's some fluctuations. I mean, fluctuations happen. Okay, great. Thank you so much. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for your call, Candace. Uh, you know, uh, last year, the uh, MPB offered our employees a, a, a seminar on uh, credit reporting and credit scores. And one of the things that they talked about was if you're paying off something and you do that balance transfer, there might be that temporary hit on your credit score. Mm-hmm. But if you're continuing to pay right. it off, you it'll it'll rebound yes, for you. Yes, it and, will. And, yeah. uh, also, on uh, balance transfers, I've, I've used one once. And the thing that I would caution is make sure that you 
can pay off the transfer in the amount of time, like if it's Mark a low interest rate. Mark your calendar, rate. absolutely. Right. Because if you don't, they're going to sock you with all of the interest that you, you would have paid. paid. Right, right. Yeah, for the past however many months. Exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, on uh, to uh, the next call we go, and it is Anne, who's called in from Long Beach. Good morning, Anne. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a, a, an adult child who graduated a, a few years ago. The uh, student loans are about the, the payments are about the size of a house note. Mm. Long story short, she got in trouble with credit card debt. She's now over $10,000 in credit card debt. Uh, they keep showing these ads that if you have over $10,000 in credit card debt, they can help. How legitimate are these? They're ads? questionable. Yeah, they're questionable. It, it depends on who's doing the advertisement, uh, for ah, sure. I, I mean, there's okay. a there's a lot of kind of. I mean, look, there's you know perfectly acceptable ways to do it. You know, if it's a bank advertising, hey, we have a great low rate personal loan, like we can we can help you with that. Now, we just discussed personal loans might have a bigger impact on a credit score going forward, but it sounds like she's might not have a great credit score right now anyway. Nope. And if nope. and if that personal loan is what gets it manageable and gets it under control and gets her on her feet, then that's great. If it's not going to do all those things. Then I, you know, it might lower and, the cost. And her student but, loans, Ryder. And the student loans. Uh, so I would keep the student uh, if they are federal student loans. Um, yes. My my advice when anyone is struggling with their federal student loans is always, always, always call your servicer. Uh, if you do not have any income and you cannot pay them right now, then ask for a um, forbearance. Forbearance. Yeah, you can do forbearance, mm-hmm. and and you can kind of do those as you need to. Uh, the interest okay. still does accrue, but they do not. You're not going to be punished for uh, not making the payment. You're not going to be fined for not making the payment. They're not going to send it off to a to a uh, debt collector while it's in forbearance. Um, and, and then you, might you want can to look ask for an income based repayment plan. Uh, especially again, if you have no income, then it is going to take ten percent of your income above the poverty line. Uh, since you do not have any, if she doesn't have any income, then that will be a zero dollar payment. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a zero dollar payment is actually even better than forbearance. Um, so mm-hmm. there are, you know, with federal student loans, you know, I, I know people you get overwhelming amounts of them, and then when once that first bill hits, it's it looks extreme, but they do have just a lot of different features that that really mm-hmm. should make it. Um, they should make it so that they are not that burdensome for the borrower. If they're federal uh-huh. loans, yeah. If for you the go outside loans. of that, all bets are off. Right. Uh, so private gotcha. loans work differently. Private loans are essentially just personal loans, um, which again we just learned are not going to look great on your credit score, um, mm-hmm. but also might not have those repayment features. Are also done by private bank who might you know pursue you in a different way um and mm-hmm. then as far as that cr- uh credit card debt goes uh it's going to be Im- important for her to if she can't d- develop a payment plan that she can pay it down on on her own right now um you know like our last call look at balance transfer cards uh look yeah. at a personal loan from a bank to refinance that, you know, but again, mm-hmm. those are all going to depend on a credit score though. And that's, that's just going to be a real tough situation. Well, she's, she's not been approved. She does have an income, but she's not been approved okay. for a loan, a personal loan. They said her credit card debt is too high. Mm-hmm. I was wondering about that since the interest on this credit card is $400, $435 a month. Yeah. Is there any way that, um, I, you know, how moms like to help. 
Uh, is there any way that I could put a little bit each month towards the int- uh, the principal? The most would that help- be allowable. The, no. most, the most helpful mm-hmm. thing you can do is one: get her on a payment plan on those student uh-huh. loans that are that is going to be you know preferably no payments for at least a little okay. while to give her some breathing space. Uh, okay. Two: get her on the phone with her credit card company and say, okay. "Hey." I clearly have a lot of credit card debt. This is clearly very hard for me to pay. Can we work out a plan together that's going to make it easier for me to pay? Maybe they say, uh, maybe they can lower the interest rate if she, you know, starts a consistent payment. You know, if she's like, okay, Uh I can do $500 a month, but you're going to have to cut that interest rate down. Um, You know, because here's the thing. they They don't want to have to, you know, they don't want to have to sell this to a debt collector because right now that's $10,000 that they want to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, that's $400 a month and just like free money that they're going to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if they sell it to a debt collector, they're going to get like, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars, period. And that's mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's the end of it. So if she mm-hmm. can, you know, promise them that and, and, and it might be helpful for her to get on at least a couple of months of consistent payments so she can say, hey, look, for the past several mm-hmm. months, I've been doing X dollars a month. I can uh-huh. keep doing that, but y'all are going to have to work with me too. Um, gotcha. That's that's your first port of call. Um, some sometimes they're very helpful. Sometimes they're not. I, it's, yeah, but it is is definitely a first port of call. All right. Very good. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Thank Ann. You. Thanks, Ann, for your call. One thing I would say earlier, we mentioned credit counseling services. I think that that might be an option as well, because I think in, a not, in addition to helping manage your debt or uh, pay down your debt, they will give her maybe some tools, uh, classes, and that sort of thing about how to be a better money manager. Well, and usually those counselors can get on the phone with credit card companies, and they know how to speak to them to see if they can get a reduction in interest. Do people with more education have higher credit scores? We've got that information for you after the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. We're glad you found our show. It's Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. So you can have a lot of different letters after your name, but that doesn't mean you'll have a higher credit score than someone who only graduated high school. Education level does not factor into your credit score. All right, uh, Jackie's been holding on the line for us, so we've got her on the air. Good morning, Jackie. Go ahead. Uh, Jackie is a him. Sorry, uh, my I bad. Get, I get I get that a lot, but uh, thank you for taking my call. I got a question about the length of time it takes to improve uh, credit score. Um, I don't really yeah. have a lot of credit. I never really Ooh. used it, but I just recently uh, realized and thought to try to you know get improved. And I'm on a credit repairing, I guess, program. So I don't have much on it. I got a mortgage that is about to start now, uh, reporting as current. I got a student loan that's been reported current. And that's it. I don't have any credit cards mm. or uh, car loans or none of that. But I did join a, a credit union, and I signed up for a prepaid loan and a prepaid mm. credit card with them. But mm-hmm. I just started that program, so I'm trying to see how long it takes for me to get, you know, a couple of hundred points added to my credit score. 
Well, <laughs> first of all, you, you've got to have some time, and you've got to show that you have uh, cards that have been around for a while. So that's what you're doing now with building some of that credit. The biggest factor in determining that score is do you pay your bills on time? And you said you're current on everything, so that's a huge positive. If you miss a bill payment, it can be on your credit report for seven years. If you have a bad debt, that's hanging out there for probably seven years. So um, you just need to, at this point, start to just build up a record and some credit that's available to you, and I think you'll get there. Yeah, okay, I, I think like years. Is that what you're saying? I, I for, for the number of points you ask, I, I we cannot tell you how long it's going to take. I do not know. However, your credit your credit score starts to improve the moment you start um, you start paying things current. The moment that your balances start going down, that's when it starts improving. And so, most credit things work on a monthly basis, um, and they do monthly snapshots of your credit accounts. So yes, it'll be a month by month thing. Um, don't don't expect to check it every three days and any changes, but check it every couple months and you should see it go up. And keep in mind, it is you know like we said, scores fluctuate. You know, somebody did a balance transfer that shouldn't have affected her score and it went down eleven points. Like there are fluctuations, so it's not going to be a straight line. It's not going to be I pay my bills every month, therefore it should go up five points every month. It might go up twenty points one month. It might go down a few points for a couple months and then all of a sudden shoot up 30 points um, but but that trend will be going up again it starts the moment you start paying things on time is the moment your credit score starts improving and I, so when I say moment I mean month but so would it be beneficial to take advantage of even more uh, prepaid credit cards maybe would that help well, well, on, three on, on those sort of programs, I wouldn't say so. Um, but they, those are very good uh, programs for getting your credit, um, you know, getting it started, especially if you don't have any credit at all. Those are excellent programs. Um, and usually those kind of have a natural transition into an unsecured card. And once you start using that properly, a credit card, uh, good use of a credit card is the best thing for your credit score because it's totally self-managed. Um, but you know, the flip side of that, a credit card is one of the harder things to get. Well, let's back up to what really comprises that score. And again, the biggest piece is paying your bills on time. So anytime you miss a payment, that's going to hurt you. The next closest to that one is your debt ratio. How much you owe versus how much they will let you owe. And then you're going to have other pieces in there, like the types of credit. So the fact that you have a mortgage and you have a credit card and you might have a car loan, that works to your advantage. They also look at the history. So that's why we tell people if you've had a card that you've had for a long time, maybe you hang on to it because they're going to be looking at the history. So all of those pieces have an impact on your score. All right, Jackie, thanks for your call. Uh, as we wrap up uh, now, Nancy, you know, there have been a lot of data breaches and the companies have offered an opportunity to freeze your credit score, your credit. And Which then, I have done. And then yeah. you have to oh. unfreeze. So if you could, we got about a minute. Give us a quick uh, primer on, on freezing and unfreezing. Well, if you freeze your credit score, um, for some companies, you're going to see a usually a $10 charge. You have to call those three main companies, TransUnion, Equifax, Experian, to formally freeze it. But you can 
and temporarily unfreeze it, which is what I did when I tried to get an American Airlines card so I could get free checked luggage. And um, that didn't cost me anything. And it was very easy for me to, to call them or go online and unfreeze at each of those reporting agencies. You better keep up with your passwords and your pins on all of those. Those are very important. All right. And a reminder, if you want to get a copy of that free credit report that's available to you, you can go online at annualcreditreport.com or you can call 1-877-322-8228. For a free credit report, 1-877-322-8228 or annualcreditreport.com. And it's a good idea to get it. It's something that's free and it's available to you, and it helps you keep a track of your personal finance. Make sure that that information on there is correct. And if it is not, uh, there are instructions on a credit report about how you go about trying to get the correct information on your report. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks using your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next at 10, it's in legal terms where they're talking about taxes. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. Offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.